This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Guys, that is Genesis 2, 22 through 24. That is a good thing to keep in mind, and guys, we're so glad to have you on today's episode. Now, I just got to be honest with you. I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm normally you know, taking notes and trying to figure out what I want to do for that week's episode. There were so many things that I wanted to talk about. And literally everything I want to talk about, I'm excited to talk about. So I'm glad you guys are here with us. Before we get to everything, just guys, remember, if you have not left a review for us and you think we deserve five stars wherever you're listening to this, please do a five-star review. And I just found out last week that we were in the top 1% of podcasts shared on the Spotify app. So to all of you listening on Spotify, thank you so much because you guys are sharing this via text. You're sharing it on Facebook. And that's the thing I want to remind you guys is there are a lot of guys out there like you that could get benefit from the people we talk to on this podcast and the, in the you know material that we cover. So share this around. Share this on social media. Share this with individuals. Share individual episodes. Share the entire thing. We would love that. Also, guys, just a reminder, we are a donation-based ministry. So if you guys want to see more content like this and you want to see different, unique stuff and all stuff we have coming for 2023, it's because guys like you have hopped on our donation website, undaunted.life backslash donate and hopped on board. We have guys giving 20 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, whatever, whatever they can do to help us to make sure this content gets out to more people. And another way you can support this show is by supporting the people that support us. So Origin Maine, they make all this great stuff here in the great United States of America. They make the best geese on planet Earth. They have boots. They have jeans. They've got these amazing hoodies, this heavy hoodie that is great for this time of year. And then on the Jocko Fuel side, they've got Jocko Go. They've got the Jocko, the, the Jocko Energy Drinks. They've got the supplements. They've got everything else. And we are partnered with them so that you guys can try out their products at a discount. So if you go to their website, it's in the show notes, originmain.com. That's Maine like the stateoriginmain.com. Use the promo code UNDAUNTED. So first word of the show, UNDAUNTED, you will get 10% off your order, guys. It's in the show notes. You should check it out. But huge show today. It's It was, again, like I said, hard to narrow down what I wanted to talk about, but you're going to want to listen to every second of the show, even though I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I know you guys listen to every second of every show, right? All right, guys, in the quick hitters segment, we're going to discuss Elon Musk providing the receipts that Twitter meddled in the 2020 election to benefit the Democratic Party. Balenciaga's new ad campaign featuring children and BDSM gear. Kanye West going full anti-Semite. The totally and completely shocking revelation that Liver King is on steroids. I know, I know I just recovered recently from that. The GOAT response by a coach during a news conference. And also, this one's going to be my favorite, and that's why I held it to the end so you guys will hang with me. A woke pastor hiding after I called him out for his heretical tweet. Guys, we are going to super duper get after it. All right, let's go into the thing that we're going to be talking about today before we get to the quick hitters. And the reason why I titled this episode, Republican doesn't mean Christian. 
And if you've never had that thought before, you've probably had that thought in the last week. Because a week ago, the United States Senate voted on what can accurately be called landmark legislation, and that legislation is called the Respect for Marriage Act. So what this would do is it would codify same-sex marriage into federal law. And you might think, you know, what about the Obergefell decision? Didn't that already codify it into federal law? Well, there's there's always loopholes and different statutes and, you know, ways for the federalist system to work. But essentially, this law would make it impossible for any state to move to not recognize same-sex marriage and then also to not recognize interracial marriage. And I don't think anybody, any state, no matter how red or how blue or how whatever, is trying to do either one of those things, okay? But in a 50-50 split Senate, this bill passed 61 to 36. I think that, that would make it three abstentions there. 61 to 36. So the bill was unanimously, so unanimously supported by Democrats, obviously. But additionally, 12 Republican senators voted in favor of this legislation that would basically change the definition of marriage and undo the different things that we've done in this country to try to honor marriage between one man and one woman. Okay, so I'm going to list these people here. Okay, Roy Blunt of Missouri. These are all senators. Roy Blunt of Missouri, who's retiring. Richard Burr of North Carolina, who's retiring. Shelley Moore, uh, Capito. Sorry, didn't hadn't heard of her before. West Virginia. Susan Collins of Maine. No surprise there. Todd Young of Indiana. Joni Ernst of Iowa. Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Also not very surprising. Rob Portman of Ohio. Also retiring. Mitt Romney. That useless spineless jellyfish of Utah, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, and then Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Tom Tillis was actually pretty surprising. But all of these Republicans want to be seen as moderate, obviously. There is really no other way to, to look at this, and we'll get more into some of the arguments here in a second, but they want to be seen as moderate. But what you have to ask yourself, if you support the Republican Party, and you know I would count myself in that party, and a lot of you would as well, is are moderates effective for legislation moving forward? Are moderate Republicans a thing that we want to see a lot more of? And the reason that you should ask this out loud to yourself is because Democrats expel moderates from their ranks regularly, and it has made them more powerful overall. As we've talked about, and we're not going to get into a lot of detail today, but they will literally vote for a brain dead person to be president because he's got a D next to his name. They'll vote for a brain dead person for the Senate because they have a D next to their name. They literally voted for a dead person for the House of Representatives because they had a D next to his name. And all those people are very, very left-wing radical people. So do we want a whole lot more moderates? And for the solid Republicans in the United States Senate that voted no, right, they, they voted against this, they mainly did so because the bill would potentially open up, and I say potentially, but it would open up Christian individuals, schools, hospitals, companies, et cetera, to future lawsuits and remove their constitutional protection to act out of act out their religious convictions in public. Okay. And the reason that we know this to be true is because there were three different amendments to the legislation that were lobbied for by three Republicans and all of them were rejected. They couldn't even get any of those 12 spineless, ridiculous human beings that voted for this bill to even accept these amendments. Okay. So the three amendments were offered by Senator Mike Lee of Utah. His suggested amendment was likely the strongest. And then you had Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, and then my Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. So the moronic, spineless, cowardly Republicans that voted for this legislation said that they were given guarantees by the Democrats that this legislation would not infringe on the rights of religious people. 
if you think about that sentence for a little bit, well, how do we guarantee something? Well, you, you put the text in the law. I mean, that's what Senator Lankford, you know, rightly pointed out as he was lobbying in front of the Senate and talking about this is that the legal system does not recognize intentions at all. It recognizes judicial texts, the actual words. You know, when things go to the Supreme Court, if you're an actual, you know, you take that job very seriously, you're not looking at the intention of a law. You're looking at the text of the law and then comparing that to the Constitution. Right. And Senator Lee's amendment to the bill would have allowed people to still act with their religious conscience intact. Essentially, it would have allowed for a business or a service provider or an individual to be able to live out their religious convictions in their lives and their businesses. Okay. So, like a Christian baker would not be forced to bake a cake for a gay wedding or a lawyer being forced to represent a gay couple in an adoption dispute or what we have right now we're we're hearing oral oral arguments right now for a website designer in the state of Colorado that may be forced to create websites for gay weddings and she's a Christian and doesn't want to do that. So that's what Senator Mike Lee's amendment would have uh you know made room for and that was defeated. And I'll, I'll just be honest from the very beginning the great Albert Moeller, whose podcast I listened to Monday through Friday, called The Briefing, he did a tremendous breakdown of this legislation on his show last Wednesday, November the 30th. And I'll just be real with you, I don't think I can beat it. Okay, so I'm not going to try to. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. Guys, you have to go listen, listen to The Briefing with Albert Moeller from Wednesday, November the 30th, wherever you get your podcast. I will link directly to his website, but you have to listen to it. But I do want to give some random thoughts and then some some application as we work through this. The first thing as it was very slick what the Democrats and the media, you know, but I repeat myself, are doing with the wording of this bill. Okay, because again, the Senate has approved it, the House will surely approve it, and then it'll go to the White House and it'll be approved as well. But they always make sure when they talk about the Respect for Marriage Act to mention both gay marriage and interracial marriage, as if everyone that opposes gay marriage also opposes interracial marriage. It's dirty, but it's very, very effective for them. Because I only know people that disagree with gay marriage and don't disagree with interracial marriage. I don't know anybody that disagrees with both. I like, I don't know a single human that thinks no gay people shouldn't be able to get married and people of different, you know, skin tones are able to get married. I don't know anybody that's like that. But again, the Democrats and the media are making sure that every time they mention this law, they don't talk about gay marriage. They talk about gay marriage and interracial marriage. Because it's a club with which they can beat conservatives and beat cons- Republicans with, right? Because at the end of the day, there's no debate about interracial marriage, right? Again, a lot of people back in the day would misuse scripture to say we shouldn't have interracial marriage or just you know, people that were bigoted 100 years ago would say we shouldn't have such a thing. But that's not a thing anymore. But there's a major issue with gay marriage because it's fundamentally different. That's why a lot of people call it gay mirage because that's essentially what it is. Another random thought is that you cannot simultaneously vote for this and say that you're a staunch defender of religious liberty, especially if you didn't support Senator Mike Lee's amendment or Senator Rubio or Senator Lankford's amendment. So all these Republicans will say as a voting block that they are staunch defenders of religious liberty. But how do you square that circle with voting for this? There was someone I I can't remember. It was one of the female um, uh, folks that, that voted for this, that was a Republican, she was like, well, we can have a religious definition of marriage, but then we can also have a legal federal definition of marriage. And those two, two things can can work simultaneously. But the reason why we have definitions for words is because words have meaning. It's a very postmodern idea that, oh, well, we'll just define marriage this way when we're looking through this lens, and we'll define it another way when we're looking through that lens. It's nonsense. 
These people are not defenders of religious liberty. Another random idea is this idea that people that are religious, right? Whatever your religion is, that they're supposed to turn off their religious moral brains when they're in public and in the public eye is ridiculous. So, so critics will say that you cannot legislate morality. A lot of people say that it works great on a bumper sticker. You can't legislate morality. But as many people have pointed out, every single law and every government puts forth a version of morality. All of them, all of them. The only difference is what the foundation of that morality is. Like, for instance, the Judeo-Christian ethic or a humanist ethic, something like that, right? And so all these people are basically saying, yeah, 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 yeah. You can be religious. You can be religious at church, at least for now. Uh, You can be religious at home. But if you run a business, if you're in the public eye, you can't be religious there because that's bigoted. And it's it's obviously going to lead to some some major issues in the long term, right? That that's the argument they're making. It's ridiculous, but it's the argument that they're making. Another random thought is that many of the supporters of this legislation, to include our so-called president, are saying that this is a win for love. And that love is love. And this is so good. And we're so progressive and we're going in the right direction. The problem is they don't actually mean that. Because what I would ask these people, of course, they would never answer, but what I would ask them is would you be in support of polygamy? Would you be in support of throuples? Would you be in support of siblings marrying one another? Would you be in support of people marrying animals? Would you be in support of adults marrying children? I mean, if love is love, where do we stop that? And then if you say, okay, love is love up to this point, why that point? Yeah, love is love, but you know, only between one human and another human, we can't have three. Come on, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you know, one human and another human, but not an adult and someone below the age of 18, which is a child. No, 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 no. Well, why not? Again, I'm extrapolating your worldview out to its logical conclusion. You're telling me that love is love. You're selling the t-shirts on your website. Love is love. Great. Okay, let's say I'm with you on that. Love's got to be love no matter what, right? So these supporters of this legislation, they're just completely full of crap. And obviously we knew that from the beginning. A couple more thoughts, uh, random thoughts here. It's legislation like this. And, you know, I, I go back to, you know, my criticism of what Matt Walsh did on the Joe, Rog- Joe Rogan experience. Uh, it's legislation like, like this that points this out. If you don't undergird your moral arguments with the sources of that morality, you have left yourself with an unsturdy foundation. Because again, when Matt Walsh was on the Joe Rogan experience, he refused to use the Bible as his foundation for the moral argument as to one man and one woman being married for life before God. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to do it. As a good Catholic or as a whatever, he just couldn't bring himself to do it because, well, Joe doesn't believe in the Bible, as if that matters. As if the person you're talking to's belief system changes what you should talk about when it comes to truth. And so we have to go back to the definition of marriage and where do we get this concept of marriage? We get that from somewhere. And I started out the episode today with that. Last random thought here is this isn't the end. Okay. So super, super buckle up. The people in support of this bill have already, like the day it was approved in the Senate, which signaled that I was going to be approved all the way through, have already signaled that this does not go far enough. Their argument is that this activist conservative Supreme Court, you know, would still overturn the Supreme Court Supreme Court decisions on gay marriage and interracial marriage, which is not being signaled. They're going back to the decision uh, from some of the justices, Alito and specifically Thomas and saying, oh, you know, this is something that that they're they're going to look to do. But rest assured that the people that are in support of this, they will keep trying to take a bite of the apple. It's going to keep keep coming and keep happening. 
likely before Joe Biden's out of office, if he can stay alive that long, they're going to make another push here. And you're going to think to yourself, well, it's legal across the board, but they're going to continue to erode the religious freedom arguments that would keep churches from having to, you know, host a gay wedding or keeping business owners from having to do things for gay weddings. Because as you'll remember, you know, with the, the cake baker in Colorado thing, he didn't say, oh, y'all are gay. We're not going to sell you any of our products. Far from it. He said, I'll sell you anything in this store. Even if you plan to use that at your wedding, I will sell you anything in the store, but I'm not going to make you a custom wedding cake using my skill sets as an artist to celebrate something that I find to be deeply immoral. But they're looking to take that away too. But we need to transition to talking about why this is so important. Why is this story so important? Well, the first reason is that cultural revolutions, guys, they used to move slowly and now they, they just move at breakneck speed. Okay. So it used to be, you know, in the gay marriage issue specifically, it used to be, you know, just leave us alone. You know, let's, let's do what we want. And then it became, don't worry about what we're doing in our homes. It doesn't concern you. It's a subtle shift, but a shift. Then it became, just let us have civil unions, right? So that we can, you know, enter into legal agreements as a couple. And so that we can visit each other in the hospital and all that, you know, it's no big deal. Then it became, just let us get married too. It won't affect your marriage. Like, why do you care? Then it became, if you get an invite to a gay wedding, you must go and support it, lest you be a bigot. And then it became, you will lend your skills to your business or as a business owner, you will lend your skills and your business to supporting our marriage and wedding, lest you be a bigot. And then it's, you know, hey, not only are you going to lend us all these skills and all that, you will clap and you will celebrate and you will watch this and you will love it. Guys, 2015 was Obergefell. That's not that long ago. And we've come that long and less than that far in less than a decade. You want to talk about breakneck speed? Cultural never used to move this fast. And look at the degradation we're seeing now. And then you have to ask yourself, what's next, obviously. Another thing about why this is so important is it does not matter how any government defines a word. Ultimately, God gets to define what things are and what things are not. Now, that may not apply in the legal system. If you make an argument before a judge and you, you know, tell him to repent and you, you better do this and sphere sovereignty and whatever the thing is, and then you argue that, they're probably not going to go along with it because they don't have the same worldview that you do. And they're undergirding their morality with something else. But to all the people that are worried about the, the changing of the definition of marriage, it's only changing in terms of the United States government. I say only. It's a big deal. Obviously, I've spent the last you know, 20 minutes and going to spend a lot more time talking about that on today's show. But ultimately, God gets to decide. And God will decide. Justice will be done. And morality and immorality will be correctly categorized by a good and just God. And the last reason I want to talk about in terms of why this is important is what this Senate vote and, you know, the eventual approval of this legislation in the House of Representatives and from the White House shows us is that the powers backing the LGBTQ revolution are officially more powerful than the powers backing religious liberty in our country. Okay. Because if you can peel off a dozen Republicans to vote for something that violates basic religious liberty in this country, then that does not bode well for religious liberty in the future. Now, the one thing, and this is why I always go back to my Uncle Dan argument when he said, hey, the, the Supreme Court's too important, you know, plug your nose and vote for Trump. If we didn't get those three conservative justices, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and ACB, where would we be right now? We, we would be looking at a 100% certainty 
that this gal that's currently got her case before the Supreme Court that doesn't want to have to use her web development skill sets for gay weddings, it would be a certainty that she would be forced to do that, that she would be compelled to use certain speech that the United States federal government deems necessary in that situation. That's the only thing keeping us from completely losing religious liberty in this country was one election of an orange man. I mean, that's just crazy to think about, but that's where we're at. So now we need to talk about what we can do about it before we move on to the quick hitters. What we can do about it. First thing is, is remember that elections have consequences, right? And we hold the power in a constitutional republic. I know that there are a lot of people listening to this episode right now that have never voted. They love to complain. They love to, you know, watch Fox News or watch InfoWars. And they're like, oh, look at that. And that's so terrible. And this, this, and then our country's going down the crapper. They've never voted. They've never once gone out on a Tuesday, stood in line, and cast a ballot. Not once. But they want to complain. But the reality is, is if you actually care about the story, guys, we cannot let these Republicans that voted for this off the hook. They need to be challenged in their next elections when they're up, you know, whenever their next election cycle is, whether it's in, you know, two, four, or six years. They need to be challenged. They need to be ousted by the Republican Party. Because if these people can't coalesce behind religious freedom, they need to be cast out of the party, all of them. But I also want you to remember this, right? Because I said something, you know, you know, kind of nice about Trump a second ago. Do you remember when Donald Trump almost single-handedly blew those two Senate seats in Georgia in the 2020 runoff? Because he was so mad about the election and whatever you think about the election, he didn't prove anything in court. He didn't even allege in court, what he was saying live at his press conferences or having his lawyers go out there and say in his press conference. Okay. So for a guy that, you know, is saying, Hey, this was stolen. This was stolen. He proved nothing in court. He didn't even try to prove it in court. And then he basically told the voters of Georgia, ah, don't worry about voting in these two Senate races. It's going to be fixed anyway. And dumb Republicans sat on their hands and didn't vote. And two radicals were able to take seats in Georgia. Now, if you think about it, this passed, this legislation passed with 61 votes. Let's say two solid Republicans were able to be a part of that. The math all of a sudden changes and they don't have the 60 votes they need to be filibuster proof for that legislation. So for all you big Trump people out there, and again, I voted for him in 2020. Remember that when you're thinking about who you want to be representing the Republican Party two years from now, I want you to remember that this guy was such an egomaniac about this, that he couldn't bring himself to go down to Georgia and say, yeah, I'm dealing with my stuff. I'm trying to prove that this was rigged and all these different things. But right now we need to get these two Senate seats in Georgia, which were ripe for the picking. And now I'm recording this on Tuesday. And so by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be pretty much found out that Raphael Warnock is going to win and get a six-year term in the United States Senate, which would give the Republicans 49 seats to the Democrats 51, which basically you know, keeps them from being able to, to, you know, take care of uh, different Senate committees and, and all these different things. It completely throws everything off, but it started with Donald Trump not being able to get out of his own way. And as we wrap up here, I want to talk about this because obviously this is what the, the episode title is, is we have to get used to the fact that Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian. Because I got to be honest, I used to think that. Not even that long ago. I used to think that, that the default mechanism of a Republican that is voted to public office in this country is Christian. Whether they're actually a Christian or not, 
It's like, okay, they will still defend a Judeo-Christian ethic and act as if God is watching, whether or not they believe Jesus rose from the dead. But that's just not what we're seeing, guys. Now, obviously, the Democratic platform doesn't align with just about anything that we would see from a Judeo-Christian ethic or the gospel. The Republican position does in more ways than the Democratic positions. In more ways, not completely, but in more ways. Just look at the fact that Democrats want you to be able to kill your baby up to the moment of birth for any reason whatsoever and want taxpayers to pay for it. Republicans are like, yeah, we don't like that. Just that one thing should tell you about the two worldviews that are at play here. But I have used and you have used, a lot of you have used it as a a cheat sheet or, you know, a, a shortcut to think, okay, if I want to vote for Christian values, I need to vote for the Republican Party. Now, I think it's more apt to say that conservative values, for the most part, are Christian values, but certainly not Republican, big R Republican, big tent Republican. That's not Christian. I don't know that it ever was, but we certainly were convinced about it because a lot of prominent uh, Republicans, they want to make sure that the pastors uh, give their support and they want to make sure to to pray and they end their speeches with, and God bless America and all these different things. And, and the good Christians will just go along and they'll golf clap and they'll say, oh, this is great. But no more. Now, every time that a Republican goes up before Congress or goes up and wants to get your vote, that doesn't necessarily need uh, mean they need to pass your theology test. What you personally believe is the right and most basic thing. But when they vote in a way that is so counter to what we know to be true from God's word, not what the Bible says, but what God says in the Bible, right? What God says in the Bible, when they go against that, they have to pay for that. And no, I don't mean physically. I don't mean go and throw Molotov cocktails at their office. I mean, they need to lose their job because if they can't defend the fundamental right of religious liberty in this country, they are out. Because guess what, guys? I just named all the people that came up for the Senate, but when this goes before the House, there are going to be a bunch of Republicans that vote for this as well. And they will be named, and they should be ousted. For them, it's easier. It's every two years. They need to lose their jobs. But for everybody else, stop thinking, because this person's a Republican, that they're a Christ follower, that they believe in the truth of the gospel, and that they are sustaining themselves with a moral code and undergird of that because it's no longer true. All right, guys, let's get into the quick hitter segment with the first one here. Elon Musk providing the receipts that Twitter meddled in the 2020 election to benefit the Democrats. So this is according to the Daily Wire. Twitter CEO Elon Musk released information through journalist Matt Taibbi Friday afternoon. This was last Friday, showing that Twitter was working in conjunction with then Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden's team, removing tweets that team Biden won and deleted. Musk said that he decided to release the information because it was necessary to restore public trust in the platform after it censored the New York Post bombshell report about Hunter Biden's laptop just weeks before the 2020 presidential election. Taibbi's post shows that on October the 24th, Team Biden asked for five tweets to be removed. According to Andrew Kerr of the Washington Free Beacon, those tweets were either drug-related photos of Hunter Biden or pornographic photos of him. Celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party, Tahibi continued. Both parties have access to those tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, the system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, there were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left, well, Democrats, than the right. The New York Post published Biden 
Biden's secret emails on October the 14th of 2020, a report about the laptop belonging to Biden's son. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it may be unsafe, Taibbi continued. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool hitherto reserved for extreme cases, e.g. child pornography. And, and guys, with this story, there's so much to talk about when it comes to this story. You know, in Musk is saying that he's going to drop even more files in the very near future. So we'll have to see what, what goes on with that. And, I, and I've got a lot more ground to cover on today's show. So I'll be brief and go, go brief on this story and go right to the big takeaways. So the big takeaway on this for me is two things can be true at once. The 2020 election was rigged, quote unquote rigged, and Donald Trump legitimately lost. Okay, I know that seems kind of counter, so I'll, I'll repeat it. The 2020 election was rigged, and Donald Trump legitimately lost. Okay, so let's talk about the first part. When we talk about rigged, most people go to, you know, people dropping off a bunch of ballots in a drop box or, you know, you know, election machines, counting machines not working or people bringing in, you know, whole things full of ballots and in the middle of the night, oh, the camera doesn't work and they're adding stuff here or there and all that. Again, a lot of that has been alleged. None of it's been proven in court. Nobody apparently has the receipts to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. Otherwise, we would have seen the receipts by now. But I think that the election was rigged in how everything was covered and how Google will suppress search results for Republican candidates, how Gmail will automatically send more Republican emails straight to spam by a wide margin than what is on the Democratic side, about the shadow banning of Republicans and conservatives on social media, on the outright banning of stories that would be harmful to Democratic candidates in this specific example, the Hunter Biden laptop story. Because guys, the 2020 election looks like it came down to about 40,000 votes, a little bit more than 40,000 votes in three states. That's what won the election and swung it for Joe Biden. And if weeks before the election, you know, a month, a month before the election or so, it had become widely known by a nonpartisan social media class and media class that it's very likely that Hunter Biden was going around the world, you know, picking up bags of cash because of his last name and that a percentage of that money was going to the big guy, a la Joe Biden. That changes the election and likely wins it for Donald Trump. But when I say Donald Trump legitimately lost, again, I go back to what I talked about earlier is that Donald Trump in public and on social media, and on True Social, is claiming that the election was stolen. There have been documentaries made about it, and all these different things, but he didn't prove it in court, and he didn't even allege what he's alleging in public in court. So yes, I think the system is rigged. I think it is rigged to make sure Democrats look as good as possible, and that Republicans look as terribly as possible, and that all these major groups whether it be social media, whether it's you know, the rest of, uh, you know, Silicon Valley or the media or college campuses or the K through 12 schools or Hollywood or whatever, it is rigged against conservatives and Republicans. But also Donald Trump legitimately lost. He lost an election to a dead person that didn't even campaign. And you can point to the fact that he couldn't control himself on Twitter. He couldn't get out of his own way. And he couldn't point at Joe Biden. He wanted the story to be about himself. And that's exactly what it was. The 2020 election before January 6th was a referendum on Donald Trump as a person. Because if you did it based on Donald Trump as the leader of the country and the leader of the Trump administration, everybody should have voted for him. 
because we had not seen in the first three years of his presidency, we had not seen positives for the country across the board, maybe ever. Those first three years of the Donald Trump presidency is probably one of the greatest three-year stretches in any presidency in our country's history, right? It's up there in terms of how much flourishing was created for the American people. And then obviously the C word hits, 2020 becomes an absolute abject mess. Everybody screwed it up, including Donald Trump. And then we have the election and it was a referendum on Donald Trump as a person, not as a politician and not on Joe Biden as a person or politician. Okay. So I think two things can be true at once. And I think both of those things are true. All right, guys, next quick hitter here, Balenciaga's new ad campaign featuring children and BDSM gear. So BDSM, I believe, is, uh, what is that, bondage, domination, and sadomasochism. So don't look up pictures of it online if you don't know what it is, because then you're going to be on a watch list. So this is also according to the Daily Wire. The fashion company Balenciaga responded to its ongoing scandal involving a photo shoot that featured young children holding BDSM-themed teddy bear bags by saying it could have done things differently. The company issued a statement Monday afternoon, this is a week ago Monday, after facing severe public backlash when it was accused of sexualizing young children. Okay, so if you haven't seen these images, I'm going to bring them up if you're watching on YouTube or on Rumble. So this first one that I've got here is of a little girl, looks to be a little girl, holding a purple teddy bear that's got like leather straps and all that, so basically wearing BDSM gear. And then this other uh, image here is another what looks to be a little girl holding a teddy bear that's got, you know, a lock chain around the neck and the leather straps and everything. And then there's a bunch of interesting things on the bed, which we'll, we'll get more into later about the other symbols and other symbolism that Balenciaga, Balenciaga puts in their work. But those two images, those are the ones that went viral. Okay. So those are the ones that everybody shared that you've likely seen at this point. And if you haven't, you know, go check out our show on Rumble or YouTube and you can see it there. The brand itself, Balenciaga, which celebrities like Kim Kardashian, and this, this is actually going back to the article. I'll just go back to the article here from Daily Wire. The brand which celebrates, which celebrities like Kim Kardashian often wear displayed images on its website last week as parts of its Toy Stories campaign. The photos showed child models posing with the brand's teddy bear handbags with the bear's dress and BDSM-themed gear from its Paris Fashion Week Spring-Summer 2023 collection. The company said it strongly condemns child abuse. It was never our intent to include it in our narrative and the two separate ad campaigns represented a serious and grievous error. According to The Independent, in one of the images are documents from the 2008 Supreme Court opinion, United States v. Williams, a federal statute prohibiting the pandering of child pornography, which reaffirmed the PROTECT Act, a federal law that increased penalties for sexual exploitation and other uh, abuse of children. And so I'll show a couple more images here. So this is exactly what they're talking about here. So in one of the ads, you can see this, it's like, it looks like kind of a, a busy, uh, desk or something like that. You've got a keyboard there. You've got files, you've got a purse, a Balenciaga person, all that. But if you zoom in here, so I'll kind of bring this up here. If you zoom in, that's the court case. That's the one they're talking about. Okay. So that is the 2008 Supreme Court decision, United States versus Williams, okay, that was talking about the prohibition of pandering of child pornography, okay? And there's people that want to take that a couple of different ways, and there's there's been a lot of responses on this. So celebrities have kind of gone one of two ways, because 
I got to be honest, I never heard of Balenciaga before this. I don't really care about fashion and definitely not high fashion, which is what Balenciaga is considered. But Jason Aldean, the country singer, his wife, you know, apparently has a lot of Balenciaga stuff. You know, she made a big post social social media post where she's like throwing it away. There's a lot of people on social media like cutting up their Balenciaga bags and throwing it away. And okay. But then you have Kim Kardashian, who might be the most famous person that is a supporter of Balenciaga or that was sponsored by them or an influencer or whatever. And she came out with a statement a few days after all this broke. And she said that she was reevaluating her relationship with Balenciaga, which is an interesting thing to say. I think she's a mother of four whenever they're creating these images and she's, you know, about as rich as God at this point, but she's reevaluating whether or not she can continue to accept money from an organization that clearly is okay with child porn and BDSM and child domination. So that's an interesting take, but then Balenciaga in a, in a very, very strange move, they're suing the PR company that apparently put the ad together. Okay. Now this is really weird. It's a weird move because there are only a couple of different scenarios here. Scenario one, this PR company legitimately made this entire ad campaign out of thin air without consulting with Balenciaga, but then Balenciaga actually ended up approving it. Okay. So that's, that's scenario one. And then scenario two is that Balenciaga gave this company the criteria for this ad campaign, and they did exactly what the criteria spoke to. So either way, Balenciaga is solely responsible for this ad campaign seeing the light of day. Okay. Now, in in light of all this and in all these different things, I felt like there were a lot of people that were adding to this story when things didn't need to be added to it. So there was this image that was going around of this woman that looked crazy evil. She's wearing like a red, you know, leather suit and she's got her, her cheeks are sunken in and her, her makeup was really, really kind of crazy. And she's holding these red babies and everyone's like, this is like the founder of Balenciaga. or This is like the CEO of Balenciaga and look how, how satanic she looks and all these different things. Well, lo and behold, that was just some model, right? So there were a lot of people adding some things around But then the thing that I thought was really, really weird at the beginning, and I thought it was stupid and it was actually hurting this, was that people were talking about how uh, Balenciaga was spelled. So Balenciaga is spelled B-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A, okay? So three A's in there and only one at the beginning, okay? But people were plugging an extra A in at the beginning to where it would be B-A-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A. And then they would plug Balenciaga, so Bale, B-A-A-L, space, E-N-C-I, space, A-G-A, into Google Translate from Latin to English, and it would translate into Bale is the king, or Bale is God. So I'll actually show it here, because I went to Google Translate, and I did Bale, N-C, Aga in Latin, transferred to English, and it shows Bale is the king. I did this yesterday, so this is not some crazy screenshot. This is exactly what I did. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, but it doesn't say that. Like they don't, they don't spell their name with four A's. They spell it with one A. So I thought it was, it was kind of a weird thing. But then when you dig a little deeper, okay. And, and we got to kind of talk about Baal because a lot of you kind of know who that is, at least colloquially, but Baal is the ancient Canaanite and Phoenician God that represented a lot of things, but was mainly seen as a fertility God. And Baal just so happened to be a God or deity that children were sacrificed to in ancient times. Okay. And Christian demonology says that Baal is one of the gods of hell. Okay. So essentially Baal is the demon of child sacrifice. Baal is the demon in charge of child sacrifice, child sacrifice, literally. Okay. 
You might also remember the story from First Kings where the prophet Elijah, you know, went up uh, against the prophets of Baal and, you know, they're like, okay, you know, we're going to see who can consume this altar with fire. And the, the prophets of Baal are out there flailing around and freaking out and doing all these different things and nothing's happening. And I, the thing I love about it is Elijah's like literally giving them crap. Go back to First Kings and read that. It's so funny. There's like sarcasm all through this. Like, yeah, maybe you're not yelling loud enough and all that. And so, the, you know, the, the prophets of Baal do this all day long and nothing happens. And then Elijah goes, hey, watch this. And then he prays to Yahweh and then whoof, everybody gets consumed. And so it's a great great story. But the problem with the adding the A to the spelling of Balenciaga to where you could plug it in in Latin and all that. So I thought was again, that the company does not spell their name that way with four A's. They only have it with three. But when you plug it into Google translate, the, the Balenciaga name, just as it's normally spelled, you get this and I'll bring it up on the screen. B-A space L-E-N space C-I space A-G-A which translates from Latin to English, do what you want. So if you spell it their way and break it up, Balenciaga is do what you want. Okay? So that's something that's really, really important. Again, going back to the, my problem with the, the people that were adding the A in there, is that you're adding something that's not there. I remember years ago, I watched this video where there was this woman explaining why Monster Energy, like the company that makes the energy drinks, that they were satanic. And they brought up their logo, you know, the big M logo. And they explained how this, you know, was uh, indicative of satanic imagery and all these other different things. The only problem with this video was that they altered the monster logo. Because if you hold up a monster can next to the image they were showing in this video, it's like, okay, this is so clearly not the same image. So you got all these people, you know, freaking out, going to 7-Eleven, praying over the energy drink section, and it doesn't matter. And so I thought this was another one of those situations. And then I saw this. So I'm bringing this up on your screen right now. So this is an ad, uh, another Balenciaga ad featuring a child that I had not seen before. And I, I saw it on TikTok and then I saw it some other places. This is a very, very hard image to find. Okay. But I was able to find it. So when you look at this and I'll describe it for those of you that are not watching on Rubble or YouTube, there is a kid wearing a black hoodie and black pants and red shoes. And he's in the middle of this room. It looks to be his room. And there is stuff everywhere in this room. And there are countless blogs right now and people on Reddit that are breaking down all the different images in this uh, particular thing and all the different imagery that is very, very, very concerning. Okay. So the first thing is, is what the kid is wearing. So he's wearing, you know, what it could be considered innocuously to just be, you know, a black tracksuit or a black hoodie or something like that. But when you look to the kids or the kids left, it's right in the picture. There is what looks to be a black robe that is tied up on the ground. So that is something that is indicative of what Satanists will use or Wiccans or whatever will use when they're doing their different, you know, ceremonies or whatever. In the top right of the image, you can see an image of a kid's drawing of Satan. To the right of that, there is a white bunny with tall ears. And I've seen some places where that has some uh, occultic uh, appeal or something like that. Uh, and again, and there's so much thing, so many things here in the image that I can't really get into. There's a lot of disturbing images written on the walls that, you know, if you were to show this to a child psychologist or something like that, they would be like, okay, this shows some you know, deeply disturbed uh, behavior that's coming probably from their lived experience. In the bottom left of the image, you see one of the BDSM bears. It's one of the bears with makeup and it's got the chain. But then if you go to the bottom of the image, a little bit to the left of center, you see some caution tape. And to the right of the child in the image, you see a bear, or not a bear, a chair that is wrapped in this caution tape as well. But when you go to the bottom, again, it's in the bottom and the left, it's, it's caution tape. 
It's caution tape with the Balenciaga name on there, but Balenciaga is spelled B-A-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A. B-A-A-L. Okay? So this goes back to that translation that I was showing, where when you plug Baal, N-C-Aga, Baal with two A's in there, it translates to Baal is the king. Baal is God. So apparently, this was a not-so-subtle nod to the people that are actually making the claim that this is kind of what this brand is all about. And then I saw that before their Instagram account was wiped because they wiped their entire Instagram account. I think they just deleted it. They, they wiped out some stuff on Twitter, all kinds of things. I heard that they would use the hashtag Moloch. So M-O-L-U-C-H, Moloch or Molek. Okay. If that sounds familiar, that is the Canaanite god of, drumroll please, child sacrifice. Hashtag Moloch. Okay? So with all of those things combined, you have to look at this like this is a very, very serious thing. And this ad campaign was obviously not an accident or an oversight. This was deliberate. Obviously it was. But Balenciaga just thought that you wouldn't notice or that we collectively as a society would not care. Because again, you look at all the imagery and go back to the image I showed of that, that young boy wearing the hoodie and all those different things. There's so much occult and satanic and child sacrifice and pagan imagery in the image. Like I kept looking through and it was like, okay, it's kind of like, where's Waldo? Where's the next thing that points directly to it? These people think that we don't care. They think that we won't notice. We're just rubes. Like they put it right in front of our faces so that they can always point back to it and say, well, you didn't care about that. So when we push for the next thing or push this line of what's acceptable, whenever we expand the Overton window to include this type of ideology, why do you care now? Which leads me to the big takeaway on this story is remember what I've been saying about the normalization of pedophilia. I've done multiple episodes on this podcast about the normalization of pedophilia, about how is LGBTQ and then they're going to add P for pedophile. But they don't call them pedophiles anymore. We're supposed to call them minor attracted persons. They're just maps. These are just people, just like somebody can be um, gay or somebody can be bisexual or somebody can be pansexual or derpa 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 sexual or whatever. They're just, it's just a sexual preference. That doesn't mean they're going to act on it. It doesn't mean they need to be expelled from society because they're a potential danger to children. No, 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 no. We need to be more loving. We need to bring these people closer to us. They're, they're just like you. They just have a, a different way of seeing the world sexually. No big deal. They're normalizing it. And the thing about it is, guys, is these people, these demons that are pushing this ideology, they will only succeed if we don't push back. Why in the world do you think I constantly talk about equipping men to push back darkness? Because it's our responsibility. Again, I talk about this a lot. Society wants to take all the strength, all the testosterone out of men because they want to make men weak because they're like weak men are safe men and weak men are approved, stamped men. We love those people, right? But a weak man is a useless man. A meek man is a useful man. A man that is strong and capable of violence and capable of pushing back, but leaves the sword in his sheath until he needs it. That's what meekness is. But they don't want that. Like they, they don't want a meek man that's got all their strength under voluntary control or under the control of the father. They don't want that. But people like this, Balenciaga, these brands, 
These people that are doing these things, trying to normalize pedophilia and BDSM stuff with children, they will only succeed if we don't push back. Okay. So last week, last Friday, I know a lot of people have asked me about this in my interview with Ryan George. Um, you know, he, he made this statement that kind of caught me a little bit flat footed. He was like, you know, I want to be known for what I'm for, not what I'm against, which is such a mealy mouth, vapid thing to actually believe because it sounds good. I want to be known for what I'm for, not what I'm against. It sounds great to sound, you know, it would look good on a t-shirt, right? But when you say what you're for, you are automatically saying what you are against. Think about it, just a silly example, but you know, just kind of an easy one. If you say that I am for cookies and cream ice cream, it is my favorite flavor of ice cream, which it just so happens to be. I'm communicating that I'm against all of the other options when cookies and cream is on the table, right? That's a silly example. But when I communicate what I'm for, I'm also communicating what I'm against. If I communicate that I am for the protection of unborn children in the womb, automatically, because this is how words work, I'm communicating that I am against killing babies in the womb because duh. And I got a great message from my buddy, pastor Joby Martin. I know I talked about him a lot on the show, but he and I communicate a lot because he listened to that episode with Ryan George. And he's like, Kyle, this is what you should have said. So shout out to Joby Martin. Cause this was perfect. And I will use this every time for the rest of eternity. When someone says, I want to be known for what I'm for, not what I'm against. He said, what you should have asked that guy is would you have disagreed with Martin Luther King Jr. using the Bible and a Judeo-Christian ethic to say why black people shouldn't be treated the way that they were treated in the United States during the civil rights movement? Would you have been against that? Would you have been against William Wilberforce communicating that he was against slavery, that he was for the freeing of the slaves? Because, oh, well, you know, he was you know, communicating what he was against and not necessarily what he was for. If you're a person like that, would you disagree with Dietrich Bonhoeffer as he was pushing back against the Nazis in the 1930s in Germany? Go read Bonhoeffer, the, the autobiography by Eric Metaxas, and then read a letter to the American church, which was uh, released by Metaxas this year. We had him on the show to talk about it. But that is the exact right response. Thank you, Joby, for giving that to me. The exact right response. Because imagine someone like Ryan George coming uh, into the public eye and saying, yeah, I would talk about this Balenciaga stuff and I would talk about the sexualization of children and I would talk about, you know, pedophiles and all that. But you know what? The church, uh, you know, we got, we got our own problems in the church. So I don't think we should be able to push back any darkness and culture until, you know, we take care of the stuff in our neck of the woods. How ridiculous. What a cowardly and nonsensical way to view the world. Because we have been equipped with the necessary tools and weapons to fight back against the principality, principalities and powers of this world. Why would we be given the tools and the weapons if we were not to use them? Because it's a cowardly point of view coming from people that don't want to push back against darkness because they want people to like them. What a lot of people said in that interview and pointed out rightly is that, you know, Ryan George kept bragging on himself saying, you know, all these people are like, Kyle, we, or not Kyle, but Ryan, we, we love your version of Jesus. And if I were to ever come to church, I would want to go to church with you. That should actually concern you when someone looks at you and says, a depraved person that doesn't believe in the resurrection and doesn't believe the gospel, when they say, I really like your version of Jesus, because potentially you're not pointing out the level of depravity in that person, and that Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life, had to sacrifice that perfect sinless life so that you could have your sins paid for, so that you could be righteous before the just Father. So again, it sounds good. It sounds cute. It's going to win you some friends, but it's not going to win souls to the Father. So enough of all of that. If we're going to push back, we're going to push back. And that's it.
All right, everybody, deep breath. Let's get into the next quick hitter here. Kanye West going full anti-Semite. So as we've all seen, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, we've seen a precipitous decline of Kanye West, which uh, turned up to 11 last week when Kanye West went on Alex Jones's show. So first of all, he walks in there, he's got this huge jacket on, he's got this gimp outfit on, which is basically like a full body suit covering his head and his hands and everything like that. It was just crazy. But then we've I've got a clip here. I'm going to show you a couple of different clips of some things that he said that are just absolutely and completely indefensible. So we'll get into the first clip here. It's a little bit less than a minute. That's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I... I see, I, I see good things about Hitler also. The Jew, I love everyone, and Jewish people are not going to tell me, you can love um, you know, us, and you can love what we're doing to you with the contracts, and you can love what we're, you know, what we're pushing with the pornography. But this guy that invented highways, invented the very microphone that I use as a musician. You can't say out loud that this person ever did anything good, and I'm done with that. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. How about that one? Ari Emanuel, how you like that one? Hey, Ron, you gonna do anything to fix Chicago? I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, Alex Jones is pretty extreme is looking around like, what in the world is he saying? Now, I can almost understand what Kanye is trying to do because he's trying to be a contrarian, okay? And, you know, to a degree, I can appreciate contrarians and things like that. You can't do that with Hitler, though, because obviously it's well-established that Hitler probably did some nice things in, in his life. He probably helped a kid, you know, up on his feet after he fell down. He was probably nice to puppies or all these different things. But categorically, you can't say things that are good about Hitler. That's never going to win you any points. And if that's where he stopped, it would have been egregious enough. It would have been bad enough, but then he kept going. So let's go back to the clip here. So help us God. Well, I am worried about the thousands of black folks down in Mother Chicago, but, but let me expand on that because that's a nuanced issue. Yeah. You know, my, 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 my grandfather um, grew up in Dallas and from a pretty wealthy family. Also, Hitler was born Christian. Well, I've, I've actually studied some of the history on it, but, but it's very interesting. My grandfather you know, grew up and actually some of his you know, family spoke some German. There's a lot of Germans in Texas. But did you know that he grew up uh, next door to the inventor of air conditioning and the inventor of one of the major inventors of refrigeration? And so my issue was growing up, my grandfather told me the stories about some of the inside baseball and the things that went on. And But later I'm going to get into that. I'm going to tell you some, some stuff about Hitler that you might not know directly that happened to my people I knew. I, I, I'd love to hear everything because guess what? We don't get to hear. It's hidden. Even like our truth, the fact that African-Americans were in America before the pilgrims, that truth is hidden. That we are actually the Native Americans or some of us are Native. Or the fact that what Kyrie got in trouble is uh, pointing out that we're Jewish slave boats. Like, and then... You well, know, look at Australia. Yeah. They've done some of the genetic typing of, of the Aborigines there. and They're basically Africans. There you go. You know, so all of these truths. And then the current truths about banking, about the government. My favorite thing that I got to say with... So it, I'll cut it off there. So it, it goes on and on and on. It keeps going on like this. <clears throat> Again, saying, you know, Hitler was actually raised Christian. That doesn't mean anything when you're talking about Hitler as a person because you can be raised any number of things. But I care about how you act 
when you're past the age of accountability and when you're an adult and when people are like, oh, the Nazis were Christians, it's like, did anything they do, you know, comport with what we see in the New Testament, what we see in the gospel accounts, what we see in the words of Jesus and what you should and shouldn't do morally? Of course not. So I'm just going to go to the big takeaway on this one. Kanye may or may not be crazy. I think a lot of people are just defaulting. Oh, he's crazy. He's manic. He's having a break. Maybe, maybe, but he may just be ignorant. Like I've been around a lot of conspiracy theorists in my day. I don't know why, but I'm like the honey to them. They're just so attracted to me. These people believe that 9-11 was an inside job, and yet they root for the United States anytime we, you know, we're playing as a, as a national team. They believe that you know, JFK was assassinated by the CIA. They believe uh, you know, all these different conspiracy theories about Sandy Hook, about all these other different things. Every single plausible explanation that could come from somebody that has some random website that they put up in their mom's basement or something like that, they just buy it, okay? Kanye could be getting swept up in that right now. He could have gone down the rabbit hole on YouTube or on any of these other documentaries or something like that, that are saying things that are just patently untrue. They sound plausible. They, they sound like it's a smart thing to, to say. Again, if he's trying to be a contrarian right now, he's doing a pretty dang good job of it. If he's having a break, a mental break, we should obviously be praying for him. This is obviously, you know, ammo to the people that for, for years now have been saying, don't just buy into the Kanye thing right? Or, or yay or whatever supposed to call him now. Don't just buy into that just because he's saying things, just because he's wearing a MAGA hat, just because he's saying things that you agree with and you're a big Trump guy and he's taking pictures with Trump. Don't just go with that. I think Ben Shapiro says, you know, live by the Kanye, die by the Kanye. And there's a lot of people right now that are looking at this man that needs help. Again, if he's crazy, he needs mental and, and physical and, and, and emotional support and all these other different things. But if he's ignorant, he needs somebody, not some sycophant that's just going to tell him that he's, he's the, the best person ever and just trying to get famous off his coattails. He needs people around him that can put an arm around him and be like, brother, I'm taking your phone away. You're not tweeting anymore. You're not, you're not doing anything anymore. We're going to go to rehab. We're, we're going to go get some help. We're going to go do something like that. But apparently and unfortunately, he doesn't have anybody's life like that. So uh, let's pray for him. That, that's about all we can do at this point. All right, next quick hitter here, the shocking, absolutely and completely shocking revelation that Liver King is on steroids, okay? So if you don't know who Liver King is, I'm going to bring up a picture of him right now. Look at this person. So that's apparently a human being. That is not a Photoshop picture, okay? Because I've seen this video of him doing all these different things. This is a guy that has built an entire fitness brand on the fact that he's natty, okay? That he doesn't take any steroids. And the reason why he says this is because he's built around, uh, you know, a, a brand around being this, you know, organ, uh, person guy, he's going to eat liver and eat, you know, testicles and eat all these different things. And, you know, he's going to do these workouts and it's all going to be, you know, caveman style stuff. And if you want a physique like that, if you want to be, you know, five foot eight, 220 pounds of solid muscle, then you just need to buy his supplements. And the guy makes what I understand to be millions of dollars a month doing this. And every time he was asked about whether or not he was on steroids, he would always deny it. He was very open. He didn't obfuscate. He just straight up said, I'm not on steroids. I've never touched the stuff. I'm totally natural. Buy my liver supplements. Okay. Now we need to go to this article according to the Rolling Stone. 
Brian Johnson, better known as the organ-devouring masculinity influencer Liver King, has admitted to steroid use in a somber video shared on his YouTube and Instagram accounts. I fully own that I effed up, he said in a six-minute confession. I am as sorry as a man can be. The pained statement comes in response to a video from another bodybuilder, Derek of the online fitness brand More Plates, More Dates, that purported to show emails in which Johnson described his steroid regimen, a suite of injections costing some $11,000 per month. Since launching the Liver King persona in August of 2021, Johnson has given several interviews during which he categorically denied using performance-enhancing drugs to achieve his muscular physique. He'd also brush aside accusations of steroid use from podcast kingpin joe rogan okay so so there's liver king i'm not going to put a link to to the apology if you want to go find it go for it the apology was completely ridiculous you could tell that he didn't mean any of the words that he was saying he wasn't sorry that he did he was sorry he got caught all that's there the thing about this story that's so interesting to me is the people whose worlds fell apart when this news hit now there's a group of people that are just like no it's not real even though he publicly said, yeah, it's real. And I, you know, he apologized for it or whatever. They don't want to believe it. The level of gullibility on people is astonishing. Again, I'm going to bring up that, that picture again, or here, I'll, I'll leave it. You, you guys saw it. Uh, and if, if you don't, haven't seen it, just go Google, you know, liver King and, and you'll get the idea. This is not a normal physique. Now there are physical freaks out there and I've trained with a lot of those guys over the years. And I've been around some of those guys, the guys that don't really lift at all. And they're just huge. You know, you see the Bo Jackson stories and the Herschel Walker stories and all those different things. People like that exist. This guy ain't that. You can clearly see it. That is not a normal body. There's a lot of, you know, people that are like, oh, he even got like ab implants because his abs literally look like, you know, lunch boxes that were like poof, 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 like place on his abdomen. It's not a normal stomach. And, you know, he may have gotten some cosmetic stuff done to his abs to make him look that way and pop and all those different things. But people are so unbelievably gullible. Because they, they want that shortcut. And they think that they, who doesn't work out very hard and doesn't have very good genetics, that they can just spend a few hundred dollars per month or a few thousand dollars per month on supplements that this guy sells, and all of a sudden they'll be enormous. They'll be Adonis. So my big takeaway on this is in terms of health and fitness, we have a really good idea of what works and what doesn't work at this point, guys. Stop buying this nonsense from people purporting to have cracked the code on bodily optimization. Stop it. Every few months, there's a new guy that claims I've cracked the code. And wouldn't you know it? I can actually sell you a program. I can sell you supplements. I can sell you injectables. I can sell you whatever. And it'll fix everything. You'll be able to get hard again and you'll get your muscles back. You'll get muscles you ever never even thought about. You'll be able to train longer and pu- push more weight and you'll be able to do all these different things. You could be the next Mr. Olympia. You can win your next powerlifting competition. You can do all these different things. I've cracked the code. You need to stand on one foot, put your finger on your nose and then try to sleep, but only at this hour, you know, only with this temperature in the room and all those different things. I'm all for optimization. I'm all for making adjustments. But guys, if you want to be healthy and fit, you need to move more, eat less. Typically, for those of you guys that are severely overweight, that's the advice you need. Those are the supplements you need. You need to rewind me saying this over and over and over. That's your supplement. Move more, eat less. Now, if you're in our, already in good shape, then it's about optimization. So are you getting enough protein? Okay. Are, are you getting enough micronutrients? Are you getting uh, you know, enough of this thing that you're lacking? Are you sleeping enough? Because if sleep could be bottled up and sold, it would be a PED. It would be illegal. That's how great sleep and recovery is, right? If you want to be a, you know, a 
oh, ice bath person and you want to, you know, get massages and you want to do all this deep tissue. Great. All that's great. But we know what works. And it's actually really, really simple. When you're at an elite level and you're wanting to get to that next level, yeah, there's maybe some experimentation that you can do that's not going to make your heart explode, not give you cancer, and you not make it to where your, your penis doesn't work or whatever. There, there's plenty of stuff like that out there, but we need to keep things simple. If you're in good shape and you want to be in better shape, work out harder. Clean up your diet a little bit. Skip pizza. Skip burgers and fries. Skip those different things, and you can optimize. But stop buying in to people like Liver King, you dummies. All right, next one here, the GOAT response by a coach during a sports news press conference. So the coach in question here is Joe Mazzula, who is the interim head coach of the Boston Celtics. So I don't follow the NBA anymore. They're still losing me with all that woke stuff. I'm not going to go back to them. So I didn't know who Joe Mazzula was, but I did know at least, you know, because I see stuff on Twitter. They currently have the best record in the NBA. Okay, the Boston Celtics do. So he seems to be doing a good job. Now, after a game last week, he's doing his, you know, normal, you know, typical, typically useless post-game interview or, hey, what, what went well and what didn't go well? And, you know, just absolute nonsense. It's only for like the, the absolute elite elite of the fans that have to just hear everything. And apparently at this game, there were British royals in the crowd for the game. And this is supposed to make Americans excited for some reason, which all led to this interaction during the press conference. Let's go to the video. Did you get a chance to meet with the royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? <laughs> the prince and princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. Thank you. But I'm glad they're hopefully they're Celtic fans. Yeah, thank you. Guys, it is legitimately impossible for me to love that response and that interaction more because the gal that asked the question, she did it in a nice, polite fashion. She kind of responded in, in a kind of a funny way because it's like she all of a sudden realized, okay, I kind of asked him a ridiculous question and he hit me back with this. It wasn't rude. It wasn't mean spirited. And apparently this guy, Missoula, apparently he's a Christian and all those different things. He didn't know that question was coming, but he was so ready for it, right? Because we're supposed to care here in America about, you know, the, the prince and princess, you know, flying around the country and doing all these different things. I don't give a crap. There was a war fought in the 1770s that the winner of that war led me to believe that I don't really need to care about what's happening with the royal family in another country. But that's another discussion for another day. Let's go to my big takeaway here. This is the greatest answer I've ever heard during a sports press conference. And I've got to make a specific call out right now because I was part of a group text that included one of our gal listeners of this show. Okay. And this is a gal named Cassidy and she is a big supporter of this show. And we're so thankful for her, but she responded to that press conference to that little clip. and was like, eh, it wasn't really the mic drop moment that I thought. So I'm calling you out, Cassidy. You are super duper wrong. Okay. And you need to repent for the sin of not realizing that that was a tremendous mic drop moment. And if you keep going on like that, I'm going to prevent you from listening to the show. I'm kicking you out. I'm going to cancel you. You'll no longer be able to do this. Get with a program that is legitimately one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in any news conference ever, but it is the number one greatest response of all time in a sports news conference. All right? Okay, guys, let's get to the last quick hitter of the day. So I've teed it up. I tease it at the beginning. I know we're over an hour in at this point, but guys, you're already in it with me, so just buckle up. A woke pastor hiding after I called him out for his heretical tweet. So the tweeting question was by a guy named Dr. Kevin M. Young. So he's at Kevin M. Young 
all names spelled normally, on Twitter, at Kevin M. Young. This was a tweet that I saw over the weekend, and Ryan, one of our team members here at Undaunted Life, sent it to me again, and it made me want to talk about this. I've been chewing on this response to my tweet. I've realized that, for me, gay marriage actually paints a more beautiful semiotic of Christ and his church than a mere hetero one. God's kingdom is diverse in makeup, experience, and belief. But one thing unites above all, love. Kevin M. Young is a real person that exists. That is legitimately something that he wrote. I feel the need to read it again, but I won't read it as dramatically. I'll just read it straight through. I've been chewing on this response to my tweet. I've realized that for me, gay marriage actually paints a more beautiful semiotic of Christ and his church than a mere hetero one. Mere hetero one. God's kingdom is diverse in makeup, experience, and belief, but one thing unites above all love. Love. So he's one of these love people that he doesn't really know what love means because apparently he's never actually read the Bible. But then I went to his Twitter profile. Okay. So this guy, he is, uh, in, according to this, he's a pastor, an avid lifter, coach, husband, dad to four, to four doctorate in early church and ancient faith formation, post evangelical. Uh, his podcast is apparently Jacked Theology. And then he has his pronouns in his bio because, of course, he does. He, him, Rev. I'm assuming that means reverend. Okay. So this is a guy that uh, all that's in the profile. So I'm, I'm already dying laughing, but then right, right below he, him, rev, I see his website, drkevinyoung.com. So of course I click on it. And when I go to the website, I scroll down just a little bit and he has my skills listed that that's what he writes. They're not my skills, Kyle, but his skills listed on his website. Okay. And it's kind of a unique way of doing it. It's like percentage wise. So he's like media and graphic design, 80% self-deprecation, 100% style, 65% bench press, 95%. Then he has integrity, 100%. I am literally gasping for breath on the ground at this point at how ridiculous of a human being Kevin Young is. I'm dying at this point. To put integrity, he listed that as his first skill. I read it out of order on purpose. That's his first skill that he lists on the homepage of his website. Integrity, 100%. It's like someone saying, yeah, yeah, I'm like literally the most humble person ever, right? Which is the least humble thing that anyone could ever, ever say. And so this guy's obviously a ridiculous person. I find out that he's a faculty member at a, a seminary. It's called like Wind Windstone or whatever. What the heck is it? I'm just looking up right here because I've already forgotten. Uh, North, I think it's Northwind. All right, what, what is it? Northwind Seminary. Okay, I'd never heard of it, but apparently it's a super woke lefty uh, seminary. So I take a screenshot of his original tweet that I read. I take a screenshot of his profile that shows he, him, Rev, his pronouns. And then I take a screenshot of his skills page on his website. And then I post it on our Instagram over the weekend. And then I post it with this caption, which I didn't include here. So let me go back to what I put here. So here's the caption. Imagine just thinking this, much less saying it out loud, much less tweeting it for the world to see. His special brand of heresy is somewhere between laughable and maddening. It's terrifying to see someone like this as a faculty member of a seminary, which just speaks to one of the many major issues with many modern seminaries. But I guess you can expect that from someone with their pronouns in their bio and someone that lists, quote, integrity, unquote, as one of their skills on their website. I guess it's true for him as long as he doesn't mean he's trying to have integrity as it pertains to the word of God. Okay, so I post that on Instagram and I tag him in it. And I also tagged the seminary that he works out in it. 
Okay. And he responds almost immediately in my comments section. Okay. So this is at Kevin M young on Instagram responding. And I got the responses up here on the screen. Hi, this is me. You sure made a lot of assumptions. I am sorry that you felt the need to be so uncharitable, but I hope God blessed you anyway. Be well in Christ. Okay. So obviously not one to back away from a fight. I automatically respond back to him. Uh, I know it's you. I tagged you in the post. Feel free to clear up any misconceptions people may draw from your actual words that you tweeted. To which he responded, it's not the words I posted that concern me. It's yours and the vitriol based on a single tweet. You took a lot of liberties, but I can't prevent that. I can only suggest it was uncharitable and misleading, drawing conclusions that were unfair and false. But sincerely, be well. I just wanted to simply point out you were speaking about a caricature, not me. Now, I bet he was super proud of himself after that. He set his phone down. He patted himself on his bench press chest, and he's like, yeah, this is great. So I respond like this. This is where I throw down the gauntlet, okay? So you don't wish to defend what you said, which is the crux of the issue. You'd rather pearl clutch over me calling you out? Open invitation on our show if you'd actually care to interact with someone who won't syncophantically agree with what you're saying. Now, this is going to be a shock to probably none of you. He went very, very silent after that. And by very, very silent, I mean crickets. I mean nada. I mean nothing. And there are other people in the comments that are tagging him saying, hey, he gave you an opportunity. Go on his show. Like you're so concerned about his response and you just don't want to dignify the, the, the response by talking about what you originally said. You, hear him out. Let's go. He's a fair guy. Go on his show. Nothing. Not a thing. And guys, I would have bet my left nut to, to know that he would have never responded. Because we need to go right to my big takeaway on this one. There's two of them with this. Number one, he will not accept my invitation because he's a coward. And number two, guys like him don't want to be challenged. They want to be validated. Okay? Now, not every one of you out there like that is, is going to be that aggressive. Some of you might see, see this as like, oh, this is rather unloving. I would direct you to Galatians 2. I think it's verses 11 through 14. This is when Paul called out Peter for basically being racist and communicating to the Jews or communicating to the Gentiles in Antioch that they couldn't be equal to the Jews unless they held all the Jewish customs. Again, go to Galatians 2, 11 through 14. I actually just taught that in Sunday school over the weekend. The, the, the short version of, the, of that story is that the Judaizers, which was the circumcision party that was supposedly sent by James, the brother of Jesus from Jerusalem to Antioch, came in and basically said to all the Gentile Christians in Antioch, yes, grace through faith, uh, absolutely, but also you need to keep all the Jewish customs. And if you're not circumcised, we need to make that happen too. Which if you're 20, 30, 40 years old, man, living in that era and you're not circumcised, that's a big commitment, right? So going away from the message of the Bible, the message of the gospel, and certainly the message of Galatians, which is grace through faith alone, not grace through faith and, not gospel and. And so what Peter was doing is he had been hanging out with the Gentiles, he had been eating with the Gentiles, and then the Judaizers, the Jewish, you know, uh, you know, uh, legalist party or whatever, they came in, the circumcision group, and they basically said, yeah, you need to stop hanging out with them. And, you know, uh, it, yeah, we, we get it, but, but you're Jewish. You understand that these people need to become Jewish. And so all of a sudden, Peter stops interacting with the Gentiles. He stops eating with them, thus communicating that he agreed with the Judaizers, that yes, in order for the Gentiles to be equal to the Jews, they needed to accept Christ 
but then also become Jewish, right? So these, the, the, that was kind of the, the gist of the story. There's so much packed in to just a few verses. But in that, Paul was rightfully rebuking Peter to his face and publicly in front of people. Now, I don't know this Kevin guy personally. Otherwise, I would have rebuked him to his face publicly. So I did it in the 2022 version, which is publicly on social media. Because there are people that will read a tweet by a guy like that and think, yeah, that's kind of plausible. Kind of like last week when I talked about that guy that was like, oh, you know, Jesus had a trans body. And they're going to read that because they don't read their Bible and they don't know anything about church history. They don't know anything about philosophy. They don't know anything about anything. And they'll be like, hey, maybe. I, I wonder. Let me ponder that for about 10 seconds and use a word like nuance so I can seem super bright and smart, right? So the reason why I would go out of my way to call this person out publicly and to rebuke him publicly is because I'm using Paul as my example of when it's biblically inaccurate to the point of being heretical that somebody is doing or saying a thing. It is incumbent upon us to call out that behavior. We see in 1 Corinthians where Paul basically tells people, it's like, what is it your business of, of what these people are doing outside of the faith, outside the church? We need, to, we need to discuss what's happening inside the church, which will seem somewhat counterintuitive to what I was saying earlier about Ryan George, but that, that's just a, a completely different scenario because we're talking about overall pushing back of darkness and sin and Satan and all these other different things. But coming back to this scenario, he's basically saying that if there is a problem in your midst, you must call it out. And that is regardless of your wiring, guys. And as some of you guys are really calm, calm dudes. You, you don't really like conflict. You don't really like pushing back. You, you know, you get really, really nervous and your hands start shaking. Even when you get into a serious conversation with somebody that you know loves you, that's just who you are. That doesn't make you wrong or broken. That's just how you're wired. But you don't get an out. You can't read the words of Paul in the New Testament and think to yourself, you know what? I don't think that that actually applies to me because I'm wired this way. So whoopsie daisy. No, no, you're not absolved of your responsibility to push back against darkness, and to push back against people that are acting out in a sinful way. Okay? So this guy, again, if any of you know him, like, send him this this segment of this show. I should probably clip it out and tag him in it again, because I would love to talk to him on my show, because I'm a fair guy. I'm not going to go look up stuff and hire some private investigator and find out all this other stuff. I'm going to hit play, and I'm just going to record, and I'm going to read his tweet and say, make it make sense. Make this make sense to me. How in the world? I'm going to go back to the tweet because, you know, we're, we're, you know, further on down the line here. So you may forget what this guy wrote that I called him out for. This was his tweet, his words that he's not taken down. I've been chewing on this response to my tweet. I've realized that for me, gay marriage actually paints a more beautiful semiotic of Christ and his church than a mere hetero one. God's kingdom is diverse in makeup, experience, and belief. But one thing unites above all, love. This guy is pointing to gay marriage saying that that's a more beautiful semiotic, which, which what, a, what kind of douche uses the word semiotic in just everyday parlance? But that's a more beautiful semiotic of Christ and his church and Christ's relationship to the church than a mere hetero one. A mere hetero one? Would he say that Adam and Eve had a mere hetero connection? That if you go back to the beginning of Genesis when they talked about them being joined as one flesh, would that be the mere joining of a male flesh and a female flesh? Because I'm taking some liberties here. A guy with his pronouns and his bio and all these other different things, I'm assuming he's trans-affirming too. If he's not, and I find that out to be not true later, I will certainly correct the record. But a guy like that doesn't want to be challenged. That's why he went silent. 
It's not like he hasn't seen all this. He saw, he saw the post immediately and immediately responded. And then when I challenged him to come on my show, to, you know, to be in front of all of these, you know, <laughs> tens of thousands of listeners and all these other different things to all these people, right? Nothing, not a thing. He's a coward. That is the only way to categorize a person like this. And I don't feel bad for calling him out for that because he's not going to be able to make that make sense. And he knows it because he would come on this show and he would probably do something along the lines of trying to be calm and trying to be whatever. And then he would probably dip out at some point when he's like, well, it doesn't seem like we're going to be uh, able to talk about this in a loving fashion. And he would try to you know, hop on his high horse and hop out when I'm just going to be the one asking questions because I'm not categorizing what he said in a different way. I literally took three screenshots that were things that he wrote with his own hands. The tweet, his profile, and his website. The only liberty I've taken so far is thinking that he's probably trans-affirming. I mean, if you got your pronouns in your bio, I'm surprised he didn't have the rainbow flag. Okay? But again, when you guys get into a situation like this, you need to have pre-decided that you will rebuke somebody that is sinning. A lot of guys don't really pre-decide anything. We just want to Go with the flow and make a decision when the time comes. And the example I always use is kind of the easiest one. If you're a concealed carry person or if you're a gun by your bedside person or something like that, but you haven't pre-decided whether or not you would use that firearm to potentially end the life of someone that's trying to hurt you or your family or somebody else, that's a problem. Because if you're walking through Walmart and all of a sudden you hear gunshots and you've got a gun in the appendix uh, position and you know, you've got your, you know, lion's not sheep shirt on and you've got your, your beard all cropped up and you got your tattoos and you got all that, that's great. But have you pre-decided what you would do in that scenario? Are you going to run towards the sound of danger or away from it? If someone's between you and your exit and they have a firearm, are you willing to take that person's life to save your own or to save others? Have you pre-decided? Because guess what? In that scenario, it's too late to decide. It's too late at that point. You have to pre-decide. The same thing is true. Guys, if you struggle with porn and masturbation and your wife and kids are going to be gone for the night, you pre-decide that you are not a person that looks at porn and masturbates when everybody's out of the house. And you work with your accountability partners and you work with whoever and you pray and you do whatever you got to do. But you've pre-decided that that's not the man that you are. In these scenarios, you must pre-decide that when someone is saying something heretical that is potentially leading people away from the Father, that you will be the one to stand up and call them out. If it's someone you know, you do it to their face and you do it publicly. And if you say that's not Christ-like and that's not loving and that's not this or that or whatever, go back to Galatians 2 and explain to me why Paul did it and said it was okay. Again, if you believe that that is the sufficient word of God, that that is the word of God working through the apostle Paul, explain to me why we should delete Galatians 2, 11 through 14. Explain it to me. I doubt you'll be able to. Pre-decide. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. Out on Dawn's Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So again, go to the Origin website. It is here in the show notes to check out the full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. That's geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, all that stuff. Use the promo code UNDAUNTED to get 10% off your order. So I've got a link to our donation page, and then I've got links to everything that we talked about in the quick hitter segment. But also, I got a link to the briefing with Albert Moeller from Wednesday, November the 30th of 2022. Guys, you have to go listen to that. It, it's just a great thing. You got to make sure you put that in your rotation. 
All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album, Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>